So good morning, good afternoon. Um, <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, The Sofa Club. Um, I know we've had a week break. The reason for that was due to COVID-19. However, we're back and we've kind of got a bit of a conversation about the coronavirus in this episode. But I'm very fortunate to be here with one of my favorite people from Leeds Met, um, Matthew Dobson. Hello, Matthew. Hi Oli, nice to see you. Nice to hear from you. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I look forward to hearing what you've been up to the last few weeks. Do you want to just give a bit of background, your age maybe, what you do at the moment and where you're from? Oh yeah, uh, so yeah, you say I'm, I'm Matt. Uh, most people know me as Dobbo. Um, I, I'm from the Wibble, although I didn't know you from the Wibble at all. Uh, I think I might have played against you though. Um, I then went to Leeds Met, studied sport and exercise science. So I was there for four years, like all the best people are. Yeah. Uh, and I'm now, I still live locally in Leeds and Bradford. Uh, I'm now a PE teacher. Um, and I'm 25, would you believe? Yeah, I feel, I feel 21 still, though, I must say. Yeah, brilliant. Great. Well, thank you very much. That's a brilliant intro. But to get to know you a little bit, a little bit better, or the audience too, anyway, there's a, there's a few questions that we ask at the beginning. So. We'll go through those first, and then we'll 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 go into something else a bit later. So, okay. Dobbo, what would you say is your favourite animal? Um, it's a little bit cliche actually, uh, but just a classic for me. It's a lion. I know it is for a lot of people. Um, ever since I was little, I've just been obsessed with them. I used to have a cuddly toy called Leo the lion. He was a Good top lad. Um, but yeah, like cheetahs. Anything, any big cats, really. Any big cats, yeah. Which actually, have you seen the new documentary on Netflix, The Tiger King? Yes. How interesting. I didn't know it was in that sort of, it was that large scale. And that, it, it's recent as well. It's not like that's 30 yeah. years ago. That's, that's like- it's Ongoing. Um, ongoing still, yeah, it's mad. I, I honestly- I strongly recommend. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if anyone hasn't listened, watched it yet on Netflix, I would definitely go and listen to it. And it, yeah, it, don't, just, it takes you in so many different directions, you just don't really know what's going on. You don't know who to believe, whose side you're on. But I'm still only three episodes in, so don't ruin it for me. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, I was going to ruin it then, so I'm glad it didn't. So, yeah, not for the listeners. Not for the listeners, if nothing else. No, yeah, all, I, all we can say is definitely listen to it. There's a lot of turns. Uh, and yeah, it's very enjoyable. Have you actually ever been able to go, you, you know, you like traveling quite a bit. Have you been and gone and seen some lions? Uh, yes, actually. Um, last summer, I was lucky enough to go on our school trip. Like I said earlier, I'm a teacher, so I went on our school trip to Uganda. Um, the kids have done a lot of fundraising to sort of help build a school over there. So we went to help build the school. Um, and after the end of like a couple of weeks, we had like a couple of days off after like doing all this project work, which was amazing, by the way. Um, so yeah, we went we lucky enough to go to Uganda, went on safari, um, and we spent like the whole first day looking for a lion and couldn't find one. And the second day, there was like our safari drivers like, right, there's rumours, there's one over here. So we went off trying to find it, and sure enough, there was a female lion. Um, and the kind of just, I mean, I guess that's where they get the name from. It's just lying around, really not doing a lot. Um, <laughs> 
Sorry for the dad joke. Um, but it was actually quite interesting. So all of a sudden, you know when you watch the David Attenborough documentaries and they sort of get the, the um, I don't know the word, they crouch down behind the grass and they get ready to stalk their prey. It started to do that. And then we saw it uh, like an antelope. So I sat there thinking, oh my word, about to watch like a live chase, like a live David Attenborough documentary. This is awesome. And the lion's there crawling through the grass, creeping up to this antelope. And then the antelope spotted it and jogged on. So, yeah, it wasn't quite the exciting ending we were hoping for. Well, the the lion, the lion's name actually derives from the Latin word Leo. Hmm. Just a bit of fact, a bit of fact for you. Mm, thanks. Interesting. So keep it on. I guess lions are something that I would say people could be scared of. So what? Yeah. What would you say you are scared of? Um. What I'm scared of, as you know, I'm a avid listener of the podcast, so I've kind of been yeah. trying to re-prepare myself for these questions. And I must admit, I'm not really scared of anything like the cliches, like the the standard phobias, the dark heights, spiders, I'm fine with all those things. Um, one thing, there's maybe two things I'm scared of. The first, it's you after a few beers. <laughs> um, you just, I don't know, you're very affectionate. Lots of hugs and kisses, and uh, it just scares me. Like, I thought that's what you like. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I don't like it, it just scares me. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, the one thing I figured I probably I'm scared of is like the bottom of the ocean. Like, not the ocean, that's ridiculous, the bottom of the sea. So, like, you know, when you go swimming in the sea and you can't see what you're standing on, don't know why. Yeah, it and it gets out. a bit cold. Yeah, like you don't know if there's a fish under there or like something sharp in the water. Ever since I was a kid, that freaks me out. I'd rather be in really deep water where I have to swim, so I can't touch the bottom. Which I guess yeah. is like the opposite for most okay. people. Most people would rather touch the bottom, right? I'd rather be able to not touch the bottom. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That is interesting. So yeah, like, and then a couple of years ago, actually, I actually sliced my foot open by standing on something in the sea. My own phobia got me, and I had to go and get it stitched back together. I have eight stitches on my foot, so my own phobia came true. So it's probably secured it even more. Yeah. That- that bit of coral just sliced through your foot. Yeah, well, do you know what I think it was, Oliver? I think it was those darn awful people who litter in the ocean and pollute our environment. I think it was a can. I think it was a can of Coke or something. Oh, no. Yeah, so for those listeners out there, don't litter. Safety. Yeah, exactly. You've got to save, mm. save it. Exactly, perfect. Okay, so we know that you're scared of that now. So what is the craziest thing you've ever done? Oh, because um, there's quite a few things. I mean, I think there's a few that can't go on air, really. You know <laughs> yeah. It seems like every Leeds Met member has had similar views, which I don't really understand, to be honest. Yeah, I think if we were to do a, an, <laughs> it's a all special. Sofa Club edition, a Sofa Club special, Leeds Beckett members only get access to listen. <laughs> I mean, I think this could be a lot more of an interesting podcast, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, we'd probably get arrested. Ah, and the rest. <laughs> if not killed. Uh, um, crazy things. Uh, I actually met up with you in Kiev, didn't I, for the Champions League final a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, the way you my, got there was pretty crazy. Yeah, my kind of journey to Kiev was pretty crazy. Like, three days before the final, you ring me up saying you got me a ticket. So I had to sort of drive to London. I had a day off work, which I'm probably not really supposed to have, but headmaster was very kind. Uh, flew from London to Warsaw. Got like a 22-hour coach to Kiev on my own. Several near-death experiences along the way. Um, got to Kiev Saturday morning. What met up with you? Watched the final. 
and then you would go off home and fly home and I'm sort of stuck in, in uh, uh, Kiev with no hotel, no hostel, no nothing because it was all fully booked so just stayed out till like six in the morning, met some lad, slept on their floor and uh, same journey back home, 22 hour coach back to Warsaw, flight back to London, drive to Leeds so yeah. It's a long story, that's the sort of synopsis, but that's pretty crazy. Um, I think you're, you're, you're lucky that, you, well, it's just your personality trait, but you are very good at making friends with people that just randomly, you'll, you'll be able to go somewhere and you'll make friends with people, which is good. Hmm. Yeah, just, I think, um, perhaps when I was at the start of my university career, shall we say, I was awful at that. And I think I've kind of learned over time, actually, you just got to put yourself out there and speak to people and good things always happen to those who do that. Exactly, and actually, um, we won't name names for legal reasons, but you actually spent some time with a very famous podcast, uh, not podcaster, a very famous YouTuber recently. And oh, yeah. The sort of similar. I went, went, yeah, I went to Madrid to watch the Atletico Madrid away game. And um, pretty crazy, this is a crazy story, actually. Um, I've been walking around Madrid, I've gone on my own, see, so I was just sort of looking at the sights, drinking a few beers, um, and I must admit, I'd start, got to a point where I was filling up a McDonald's cup with beer, so I didn't look like an alcoholic in the streets. So I was having a pretty good time on my own. Um, and just when I'm about to go home to bed, I see someone trying to jump over a post box. So and he failed quite drastically. So I said, Look, I'll bet you 50 euros that I can jump over it and you can't. So anyway, I go and pole vault this, uh, or straddle vault over this post box. Next thing I know, blue flashing lights, sirens, police car pulls up, has me up against the car. He only speaks Spanish, so I'm there like, lo siento, mi, uh, mi, mi gusto, I can't even think about it now, I'm saying, uh, mi, uh, soy es muy estupido, soy es muy estupido, lo siento, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. And uh, yeah, nearly got arrested, and luckily the, the dad of the guy, or the father-in-law, the guy had sort of challenged to this hurdling competition, spoke fluent Spanish. And he manages to sort of speak to the police and get him to let me go and not arrest me and all this. And then it turns out um, the guy who I challenged, like you say, yeah, is this very, very famous YouTuber who I can't name for legal reasons. Um, yeah. And I ended up having a, a wild night out with them and they took me out. We got on the beers and it was, yeah, top class. Good night. But, but just to add to this story, um, the interesting thing about it was, is this YouTube is actually truly boring. He's got excessive like oh. 10 million followers. Yeah. And <laughs> they were out with um, their, he was out with his like girlfriend's family and the girlfriend wasn't there. And she's also a famous YouTuber. And yeah, basically yeah. all the family did basically had told Dobbo that they much prefer him and that they should, that they were trying to get him to meet the daughter. And this YouTuber didn't seem to like this kind of questioning very much. So um, it's very possible and plausible. I can't confirm or deny that for legal reasons, but... <laughs> of course, of course not. But it's very plausible that Dobby may be ruining a YouTube relationship very soon. So that's good news. And his girlfriend's a model. Yeah, of course. Of course she is. Yeah, but as, as crazy as those are all of it, I must say, um, I think the craziest thing I've done actually is with the Leeds Beckett boys, and this is definitely a one that's a PC, is uh, running five marathons in five days. Yes, that's yeah, crazy. that is that is crazy. And you completed it as well. Yeah, I think twenty of us started it, um, and ten of us, about ten of us, 
did all five and five. A few other people sort of did a couple, dropped out with injury, understandably. You know, we had shin splints, we had feet swelling up so big he couldn't fit in their trainers, um, sprain joints, all sorts. Um, yeah, I think 10 or 11 of us did all five and five. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. No, that is incredible. All for charity and that's the thing. Yeah, for Marie Curie Cancer Care, yeah. Yeah, he's about nine grand, I think. Yeah, and that is so impressive. Not many people could say that they've done that. Yeah, a marathon, never mind five and five days. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Good, great experience. Great experience. Brilliant. Um, the next question is, what would you say your favourite city is? Oh, favourite city. Um, well, the one city that I'll always have in my heart, of course, I'm very lucky we're both born right next to it, is the one and only Liverpool. Of course. Um, love that city for obviously many reasons. Um, favourite city I've been to. Um, it's a combination, I think I've got kind of two sort of answers. So as well as going to a, a few Liverpool away games and obviously visiting different cities, I've spent the past few summers coaching in America. So I've yeah. been lucky enough to see a lot of different American cities, especially down the East Coast. So I really love Philadelphia, I love Boston. Um, sort of great cities to sort of live in. If you're kind of our age, I'd say it's like a lot of people say, oh, New York. For me, New York is great, but kind of very touristy. I couldn't live there, but Boston, Philadelphia, probably could. Yeah. Yeah. And then European cities, um, Porto, actually. Porto is probably one of the best cities I've been to. Hey, wow, nice. Yeah, again, it was like a little trip I went on on my own, met up with some mates over there for the Liverpool match, drank a lot of port, walked around in the sun, ate lots of nice food. Yeah, it's lovely. No, that's good. Okay, so they're, they're places you've been, but what about a city that you haven't been that you would, when we are allowed to move again, go, like to go to? Ooh, um, I haven't really been, ooh, actually, there's a couple of places I'd really like to go to. I'd love, I've never really been to Italy, only ever been there when we've driven through it to go to um, Tor, to go to Croatia. So I'd love to visit Italy, like Rome, I think it's obviously a classic. Um, and I think I'd quite like to sort of go somewhere on the west coast of America, maybe uh, LA. Yeah, I think that'd be good. LA's love. LA's massive as well. Yeah. Perfect. Well, the next question, which I know that you've spent some time deliberating over, um, your death row meal. See, this is the one where my cue sheet, cue sheet is blank. Um, I just love food too much, Ollie. I do. And it's too hard to say, but I'm going to have a go. Okay. I think I'd have to be cheeky, you know. Um, I'd have to go for like a starter platter. You know, like when you look at appetizers menu and there's like yeah. maybe five or six different things and then the final one is like all of those things on one plate to get the share. Yeah, okay. So let's say that's, you, that's you what had to... Order. What would that consist of? Um, some calamari. Yeah. Um, some chicken goujons in memory of a main man modders. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe some like loaded potato skins, you know, like cheese and bacon. Yeah. Uh, oh, my, my mind is running wild, honestly. My mind is running wild. 
bit of soup, you know. You can't beat a nice little soup for a starter, can you? Soup and crusty bread, like giraffe bread, tiger bread. Yeah, 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 that sounds good. Yeah. So yeah, you want a platter, a platter for your starter, and then a main course, what are you having? Mm. Um, no, I really love potato dough from wine now. Just so creamy. Uh, so I'd go for a main, I think, of medium rare steak. Yeah. A big T-bone steak, medium rare. Uh, some potato dough from wine. And I absolutely love vegetables as well. So a bit of everything, some tender stem broccoli, Nice. Um, green beans, baby sweet corn, uh, carrots, peas, you name it. Get all the veg on there, cauliflower, cheese, why not? No, yeah, I think that's great. I'd say. And would you, I guess, a dessert? Uh, oh, dessert. Ooh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to mix it up here. This is, you might tell me I'm not allowed this, but... As much as I do like a nice bit of cake, like carrot cake's a favourite, I think I'd rather have like a third main dish. I'd rather have like spaghetti carbonara, pasta carbonara or something. Is it as a dessert? Yeah, I think, I think it's controversial, I know. I think I'd just rather carbo load. Like I'm about to die. It doesn't matter if the carbs, you know, like a moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. It doesn't matter. Throw it out the window. Let's be yeah, unconventional. Yeah. No, I like that. I like it. Yeah, let's give it's it that. The dish for dessert, I think. Okay, yeah. A drink? What drink? Yeah. Yeah. No hesitation. A nice pint of lager. A crate, a crate. A crate. Yeah, might see me through. Yeah. I do like red wine though. I'm a big fan of uh, a Rioja or perhaps an Argentinian Malbec. Argentinian nice. Malbec is a Yeah, big fan favorite. A nice full-bodied red. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I just got a nice little wine rack actually. Yeah, a little uh, charity shop purchase, a little bargain. Just before we went into lockdown, I thought I'd go and support some local business, go and support some local shops. Nipped into my local Bernardo's and uh, I found this gorgeous wine rack for £1.50. So, yeah. How many wines does it fit? It fits 16. I've that, is got... a, that is a big wine rack. It's, I mean, the bigger, the bigger the rack, the better. You know me, yeah. Oliver. Oh, I do. I do. Um, I've got 10 bottles on there at the moment. I was able to fill up, fill up with 10 bottles that I already had. That's that's really good. Hopefully it'll be empty pretty soon. Yeah, I give it a week. A week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, I think the, the listeners have been able to get to know you quite considerably better. And we actually have some time now to move on to our next section. So here we go. This is on now our fact section, which is a fan favourite. And as it's a Corona special, I'm going to say a few um, Corona facts or more just bits of information. And then Dobbo is going to say his chosen subject and give a few facts about that. So first of all, I know a lot of you are all in quarantine or uh, on lockdown at the moment. So a few of you might be thinking, oh, what are some of the symptoms of COVID-19? And the virus is can cause mild flu-like symptoms and this includes fever, a cough which is very dry, difficulty breathing, muscle pain, fatigue and tiredness. I guess that's kind of the same thing but more recently which is a bit of an added bit for you, um, 
some people have found that they have a lack of appetite and they can't taste or smell. Um, so if you have any of those, uh, please do stay inside and do not, well, I guess we're on lockdown now, so you can't really get anywhere anyway. Um, the people most at risk, uh, usually I would have said at the beginning of this week would be just older people and especially people with underlying health conditions. However, we have recently just had our first case of someone really quite young, I think a 21 year old died yesterday. So it was pretty intense. And apparently they had no underlying symptoms as well, you know. I don't know how much of that I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I've done sure. That is unbelievable if that is the case. Um, but the thing that I think is most unbelievable is the fact that we're all being told to stay in, but we we don't we haven't been in America. You see, you're allowed to go out and get tested. So they go out and you go to like a drive-through and they test you and you find out within two days if you have corona or not. But in the UK, we're kind of all in the dark. We could all have it or we could all not have it. It's a bit strange. Um, and you're only tested when you're admitted into hospital, I think, which I think at, at some points is a bit too late, maybe. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty scary stuff. Did you yeah. see the update one about the number of cases and how many yeah, tests? I think the number of cases has gone up, but the deaths has gone considerably down, I think. Yeah, so I've got down across the UK, there have been 97,019 tests, uh, tests done so far. 87,490 of which were confirmed negative and 9,529 positive. So we are talking only about 10% of, well, that is nearly exactly 10%, isn't it? Um, of the tested cases was resulting in being positive. It's very sadly though, 463 of those died, haven't they? So that is, but also I think it, it, it gets an interesting point on that is I presume a lot of the people who were tested were people that had flu-like symptoms mm. because otherwise the commoner like ourselves wouldn't have been able to get tested unless yeah. they were admitted. So I think that's kind of puts in perspective the amount of people who just are genuinely ill and those yeah. who don't actually have corona. So yeah. yeah, I guess we'll see in the coming the coming weeks where we kind of sit when it comes to that. Mm. Have you got yeah. a special special topic? Uh, yeah, well, this is kind of because of the coronavirus outbreak, I guess, and because of the suspension of the Premier League. However, Liverpool are on track to absolutely shatter a record recently held by both Chelsea and Man United for the most days spent at the top of the Premier League table. The record is currently held by Chelsea at 274 days. So, with the way things are going and it being suspended, because it hasn't been cancelled, we're still top of the league. Oh, yeah. So, the longer this goes on for, the longer we're top of the league. Okay, well, I'm going to go for one more fun fact, Bolly, because I think that, I think you might have done this. Go on. Billy goes urinate on their own heads to smell more attractive to females. <laughs> That's funny because I've been, I've had someone else wear my own heads, but it didn't attract me to any females. So maybe, maybe I need it to be myself next time. Is there, yeah, that's probably a problem. Getting previous listeners, yeah, uh, you're on it on your head, yeah, yeah. I think that and that's how you make yourself more attractive to females. But it's funny actually because I know also another guest who thought that drinking someone else's urine made him more attractive to females, but <laughs> <laughs> but that was not the case. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> well, that is a very interesting fact. Cut that out. No. Okay. So the the fact the question the fact section is over and we're now gonna talk about some of our friends have sent us some questions. So there's some serious ones which we'll talk about at the end. We can go into a bit more detail. Yeah. Um, and then we'll we'll start off with okay. Okay, so this is kind of something we've discussed already, but what has been your favourite, I guess you'd say Porto, but what has been your favourite footballing trip? Um, From start to finish. Not necessarily the result or whatever, but just, well, I guess the result comes into it. Favourite footballing trip. I mean, I'll never forget my first trip to Anfield with my dad. Yeah. Watching Liverpool versus Fulham. Fernando Morientes, number 19, scoring a banger to win the game. Um... My favourite football trip, it has to be, I've had a couple of good away days, but it has to be Kiev. I know, I was, un, I was unfortunate not to have gone to the Madrid final where we won. And I know we lost in Kiev, but I mean, you were there yourself. What a weekend. I think because it was the first final, big final we'd been in for a while, uh, mm. I mean, on that sort of level, and the fact of the number of Liverpool supporters that were there and just that whole afternoon, was just was just incredible. The, that sun, the weather Those was people there. They'll know Shevchenko Park. What a place! Unbelievable. What a, a yeah, yeah. speechless. And that was John Flanagan actually. The Scouts Cafu. I remember yeah, you saying that. Yeah. Photo, yeah. It was just so fun. It was just a great a great day. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, Harry Harry Langford actually has asked. Um, could you tell me three people that you would like to be in isolation with? So you can; these can be famous people or normal people. You pick. It's a great, it's a great question, and I can tell you two straight off the top of my head, and probably a third to be honest. Number one, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I love them. I love him. Everything about him is charisma, his persona. Um, I'd love to be inside his head, and I'd love to sort of, honestly, yeah, just to know how he does what he does. He's a top man. So yeah, Klopp, um, Gerard, and I mean a third, probably something like a, a David Attenborough. But then it doesn't really fit with the trio, does it? I think you need like a group of similar people. Um, so I'd have to just go Jamie, Jamie Carragher. Yeah, yeah, Jamie, Stevie, and Klopp. That's my three. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good. Mm. I would always say I would agree. I think Klopp would be incredible. And obviously Gerard, but I would like someone to cause a bit of you know controversy. So like maybe get someone that you can like bully a bit. So like get a Coutinho, get a, a Coutinho in there, just like <laughs> to really find out what was going on in his head when he decided to leave. Yeah. Oh, oh, like Gerard and Elad Stewart, just let them fight. Yeah, now well, that's that would be brilliant. Get Bellamy and Risa in there. <laughs> oh, we're in a golf club with the third person. And what, sorry? And your golf club. What's his name? Terry. Terry. <laughs> golf club. Uh, yeah, that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. And this moves on to our next question, which is uh, your favourite night out story. Oh, favourite night out story. Um, it's caught me off guard here. There's certainly a lot. Yeah. I mean, every Wednesday back in uni was pretty eventful. Yeah, I agree. 
agree. I mean, there's, and there's been some specials on tour. I, I think oh, that's a really difficult of, question, actually. Yeah, it's really difficult. I think if you sat and scrolled through your photos on your phone, you could you could give ten or twelve answers within two minutes, and that would just um, be a one year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously the, the couple that stand out, obviously on tour, because that's just like any other night out, but times ten. Um, had a good night with Paul in my second year. Um, and a pair of handcuffs, but I think the highlights. One of them when we when you know the Harry Potter social we had, that was uh, incredible. Albus Dumbledore, yeah, I think. <laughs> let me give actually. Let me give a bit of background. So okay. every every year when we go on tour, so this is hockey tour, um, where we don't play really any hockey, but we go to a different country. So this is sometimes Rimini in Italy, uh, Parek in um, Croatia. Salou in Spain and this particular time we were in uh, Croatia and um, we, we do every single night we have a circle so like a hockey social and you we all dress in unison so we'll have a different theme for each evening so the freshers would be slightly something different or we might all just do a group one and for this specific, uh, particular occasion we decided each member of the team that was going so I think that there's quite a high a large number of us I think in excess of 20 and we did harry potter as our theme so each person would have had to dress up as a particular character and then we'd have the circle and it would be kind of loosely based around harry potter and okay. dobbo was uh, our social oh club captain he wasn't our social set but he's a club captain so i think he was he was dumbledore and our social sec at the time alex curry he was uh, severus snape i believe no he wasn't he was oh he's voldemort Voldemort, sorry, that is my fault. And, I know, I'm sorry. And the, the bit that was so amazing about it was, is we were all sat around and they, they got up and they decided to have a duel. And we were outside at this point. And there, were lots, there was a lot number of other uh, sports teams looking at us. And then do you want to carry on the story, Dobby? Yeah, so we looked like idiots in our, in our Harry Potter fancy dress waving twigs around. But everyone was finding it hilarious because, like, like you say, there's like a rugby union team there, a lacrosse team, whatever. And the more of us that sort of walked outside, and all, we almost like it was like we hadn't even planned it, but we were almost like leaving the hotel in pairs. So the first two people came out like, "Oh my word, there's Voldemort and Dumbledore," and then Snape comes through, and then uh, Malfoy and Crabbe and Goyle, and like honestly, it's just like like you say, 20, 30 people, and everyone was in stitches. And we have this like little uh, one duel. Oh, switch losers, and. Uh, me and Alex, who was Voldemort, had bought those, you know, those little, I don't know what you call them, the little things that snap when you throw them against the floor when you were a little kid. But the thing about this is, no one had, no one knew about this prior. So we just no. thought they were going to duel and we were all drunk and it was quite funny. But then, obviously, they had this planned. So out of nowhere, <laughs> they started yeah, throwing them. These little bombs exploded on the floor and everyone, like, crapped themselves. And then when they never even knew what was going on, was killing themselves laughing. Um, but yeah, I think because it was a big congregation of people, these Croatian bouncers, as we were sort of starting, about to come over and break it up. And then all of a sudden, they hear these things exploding. And I think for about a minute or two, these bouncers genuinely thought there was some form of magic going on because they looked absolutely <laughs> terrified. <laughs> and it was amazing. And there was these Irish people, I think, also, they, were, they just yeah. were losing it. They thought it was the best yeah. thing they've ever seen in their life. Yeah. Because it makes when you when you throw them down, it almost lights up as well. Yeah, they so I thought there was some sort of sorcery occurring. It was amazing. 
<laughs> yeah, I think the beauty of that night out was that um, the barman, like all the bar staff there, didn't really speak much English. But there was this one guy in particular who recognised like the character Dumbledore, obviously. Um, so I didn't pay for a drink all night. He just kept on passing me drinks over the bar. So uh, yeah, that was a, one of the, one of the best, one of the one of the good ones. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Josh Boyd so, actually has asked a question. He says, "Oh, hi, Josh." <laughs> he says, "What is Matthew's biggest regret from his time at Leeds Beckett?" Um, <laughs> Boyney, uh, great question. It was just talking earlier about great nights out, and we were all having this really good night out. Actually, we planned to go and watch the boxing. I think, um, and we had a pretty good night. And I think I'd had a few too many, so I ended up falling asleep before the uh, Anthony Joshua fight. Yeah, missing out on that AJ fight killed me. I do regret that, I must say. <laughs> yeah, same fair. That was a brilliant answer. Brilliant answer. <laughs> okay, well, there have been some really good joking. Well, not joking. They've been very serious, actually. But there's some more serious questions now. So uh, what is your favourite thing about your job? Oh, my job. Um... Okay, this is a serious question. It's kind of a serious, kind of cheesy answer, but I go, I call it the penny drop moments. Like when you're trying to keep, teach a kid something and they just don't get it or they just can't do it. So whether you're teaching, uh, I do teach a little bit of maths, whether you're doing like formula or equations or whether you're trying to teach them to serve in badminton and they just can't get it. And you like, you find a way to explain it in a different way and then they can do it, that penny drop moment. I find that really rewarding. Um, so that's probably one of the perks. Um, getting to wear shorts every day, getting to have eight weeks off in the summer, are pretty high up, up, up on the list as well. Yeah, I would say that, that that's a brilliant answer. Um, so this is from Bertie, some obviously very serious questions for a very serious bloke. Um, how do you think this, will, this kind of coronavirus outbreak will affect the kids long term? Um... I think, yeah, that is, again, serious. Um, it all depends. Obviously, children are unique and there's a lot of different children that have different needs. I think with schools being closed at the moment, um, there's a lot of amazing staff and teachers going above and beyond to try and teach online electronically. Obviously, that has some difficulties along the way. Um, at a school like ours, very fortunate I work at a private school. So generally, you know, the kids have access to the internet and can access those online lessons. There's obviously some households that struggle with that. Um, I think the big one is those families, the children who uh, qualify for free school meals at other schools. And it's sad to say, but there are children in this country who school is an escape for them and school is far better for them than their home life. Um, and perhaps now being in a scenario where they have to be at home and not at school, uh, maybe they're not getting fed properly, maybe they're suffering some form of abuse. Um, so, yeah, very serious answer. But I think, you know, I think there's a lot of children in the country realising that school's not so bad after all. Um, and I think there's also a lot of parents that are realising the teacher wasn't the problem, it was the kid. But I probably shouldn't say that. Um, no, but yeah, I think you know, a bit more of a serious issue if there are some kids that need to get back to school for their own sort of well-being. So hopefully this doesn't last too long. Okay, yeah. So, well, more importantly, I guess, how are you coping with the, the COVID virus breakout as a teacher? Um, so I, I live in the boarding house, so I live on site. So obviously, sort of last Friday, school shut down, and um, we were still told we had to come to work on Monday, but the kids wouldn't be here. 
only sort of children are key workers. Yeah. Um, so we maybe had about 12 kids in on Monday. And then halfway through Monday, we got told that, obviously, well, it, it, it was actually prior as far as this announcement of lockdown, but uh, the staff wouldn't be in on Tuesday. Only sort of staff who volunteered on a rotor would be coming in. Um, so I kind of figured that actually I live on site. I live on my own. I've got no dependents. I'm at low risk. I'm in good health. And there's obviously a lot of other staff who perhaps are at risk or have children, have families. Um, so I volunteered to come and work so that other people could go home and isolate and so uh, social distance. So I've been in this week. We've only had five or six kids in. But sort of, yeah, supervising them, teaching them. Um, and then we actually have our Easter break next week, so it kind of doesn't affect us too much. But trying to plan and teach your lessons online is obviously something that takes a bit of time and this has kind of all come. It's all happened very fast, hasn't it, this past week or so? So Yeah, exactly, yeah. Kind of cope with that online demand and still find ways to give feedback and keep the children entertained. Oh, sorry, engaged, not entertained. Engaged. Yeah, no, no, no. David. Very, very comprehensive answers. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so we've we've learned a lot about you uh, during today, during this afternoon, during this morning, whatever you'd like to say. Um, however, there are some kind of interesting things I think you could elaborate on. So if you were a fresher again, going into university, that which a lot of our listeners are, or potentially even a first year, kind of some advice that you would give to fully get involved with university life? Because I would say that you're one who can speak from a great amount of experience that you really got fully involved with the whole university experience. So I thought, you know, I'd give you some time to kind of talk about that. Mm, yes, uh, very good question. Actually, when I was uh, fresher, um, I kind of struggled initially to sort of uh, socialized properly i say i wasn't like a social recluse or anything i still went out i still had friends um but i think i was almost too uh intimidated by some big characters um, yeah. in the hockey club especially so i think i was quite naive as well so i was kind of stuck to the people i knew i stuck to what i liked i didn't really try a lot of new things i didn't really you know put myself out there um when i, I trained i played hockey i went home and i think when you you know when you're 18 and you go into uni and there's maybe people there who are on a master's and they're 23, 24. And, you know, there's people that, you know, are a lot older than you actually and definitely have a lot more life experience than you. You're daunting at first. Um, and I did what, actually, I'm just going to throw myself head first into everything. And I think once you do that, you have no regrets. I spend time with them, going out with them, hanging me. Uh, when you go to uni as a freshman rather and you're 18 and there's people there who are mid-twenties maybe doing a master's or they've resat years or they're doing a PhD or whatever and even people who are 20, 21 and they've got a lot more life experience than you um, and perhaps they come across as very confident because they've they've known each other for two or three years they seem like they really sort of tighten it and yeah. it's hard to sort of break down those barriers and get involved actually just a bit of perseverance and putting yourself out there um, goes a long way and I think you, you know you put in a little bit of effort and you you reap a lot of rewards um, yeah just on that actually I 100% agree and I think that that is something that a lot of people find difficult so I tend to find that you see or I've definitely seen this that you'll see a lot of freshers and um, that will 
try and get involved with hockey, let's say, or let, I'm using hockey as an example, but they'll play hockey for one year, the first year, for example, and they'll find it a bit difficult or they'll find it hard to embed within the social groups. And then they'll drop out of hockey, but they'll still be in university. And then you find that the people that have stayed on the, the, the second and third and fourth years of hockey or a particular sport will really become embedded within the whole culture of the university as well. And you just need to stick with it and you're all similar due to the fact that you play hockey, you like going out, et cetera. So you're all going to get on. But the first year is always going to be the most difficult. And then from then on, you kind of embed friendships and you're allowed to grow. And I think it helps your, yourself as a, your own personal development loads as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's, there's always the right group of friends somewhere for you. So it might be course mates, it might be housemates, it might be those friends at a sport. Um, but yeah, like I've said, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid. Like you don't, you only regret you won't regret going out and trying. Like if you go out and you socialize with people you don't like them or you don't like the time you've had, you don't have fun, you don't have to do it again. But if you stay at home, you'll never know. Um, and the one yeah, thing exactly. I say is just be yourself. So don't don't feel like you have to try to fit in. Like I've said, you might be joining a sports team that have known each other for played together for two or three years, and you're sort of the outsider coming in. Don't change. You're actually, I think that's what I found hard when I was a fresher. I thought I had to try and fit in and sort of be like them. And actually. I truly became friends with those people when actually I was just myself and they just yeah. like me. That's, that's really silly. It sounds a bit sad, doesn't it? But like, no, do you know what I mean? So just yeah, be yourself. And, you know, if you still don't get on with those people or fit in, in fact, there's other people out there joining a different sport, try and hang out with your course mates. For me, didn't, you know, my housemates are great, lovely people. We were good friends. Didn't really, I can't say I went to too many lectures or seminars, so I didn't really get to know my course mates that well because I never went. So, yeah, the hockey team was with the people I got on with. It was good. And also, you you used hockey as a way to also integrate with uh, different sport, different people outside the club. So you're a big part of Leeds Hockey Club as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was great for me actually. So when I was a fresher, um, as well as playing hockey for the university, I joined Leeds Hockey Club, um, and this was fantastic because this is for adults. So I, I got to know people who are in their late twenties, thirties, even forties married had kids and it really sort of provided that kind of family uh, sort of environment and you know people who were there to look out for you and as a fresh year i only had a bike not a car so getting lifts off people hanging out with people uh, people who genuinely cared and you know would look after you keep an eye out on you um that was fantastic and then since then there's been a merger with the university and the hockey club the weekend club so that connection's grown even more and yeah it's just just amazing to have so many different friends from different areas, different walks of life, different ages. I think when you're in sick form, you kind of all your friends are 16 to 18 and that's it. And any, anyone else is like really young or they're really old. Actually, when you go to uni, you soon realise that age really is just another cliche for you, but age really is just a number. It doesn't matter if people are 30, 40, 50, you can still be very good friends with them. And that, that's really important because obviously when you go into a working environment, you could be working with someone in your office who is 40, 50 years old and, you know, you have to be friends with them and learn how to communicate with people that aren't your age. So, yeah, that was a great experience. Yeah, no, 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 100%. Yeah, I think kind of the, the what we wanted to get out of that was just, just try to get fully immersed and if you don't like it, that's absolutely fine and there'll be other things that you'll enjoy, but at least give it a, give it a go. I have loads of friends who went to university and they didn't join a sports team, didn't really just kind of plodded along 
and they're kind of looking back now and kind of you can't really relive your three years your four years you may as well fully get immersed I know first year I went out a lot more of my course and then realized actually no I wanted to kind of get a bit more involved with hockey but that's okay because I tried different things and now I'd say that we've got a big group of people that we're still really close and try to see each other as much as possible and that's nice to have that alongside when you're now working to know that you have that release as well yeah oh, brilliant I think that's been a very interesting podcast thank you very much for joining I think the only thing that's left to say is um so I guess you're are you working from home at the moment you're on the router kind of what uh yeah, what... yeah so I'm sat taking my break as we talk but I've just been I've just set my work this morning doing a bit of online marking I'm in this afternoon to teach a P lesson I mean we actually have like four kids but um the learning continues Oliver never stops yeah. fun never stops every exactly. day is a, every day is a school day what's the saying every day is a school day yeah exactly. and for you that is more the case than ever mm, absolutely it's just very frustrating that this weather is so nice so yesterday just a quick quick uh, interjection from me here um so tom roberts and i uh good friends uh he lives relatively close to me i'd say like a good only a five minute walk away um so our parents have been quite uh, protective now over this whole coronavirus thing and we thought that there would be no problem at all for us to just meet up and he was going to come to my garden yesterday and I had a beer pong table set out. I bought some cups. We had a crate. So I thought, oh, it'll be absolutely sound. We'll put some music on the garden. We'll stand two metres apart and Tom and I will be able to play beer pong all afternoon and it'll be, and it'll be fun. The official distance of a beer pong table is 1.8 metres. So. Yeah, but when you're standing slightly further, you've got to remember the elbow, don't you? So we're two uh, metres so- apart. It's the rules, the rules, don't we? The rules. Uh, however, I set it all up, and Tom was on, on the way over, and basically my mum was like, There's, you're not allowed, Like you're, you're joking about, this is not funny, people are dying, and taking it quite extreme. So what Tom and I decided to do is we took a few cans, uh, took a speaker, and we went to the park that's just around the corner, and uh, we had a little DJ set with a couple of pints, so that was nice. But I think today we're going to try, actually take a table over and play, because I can't stay in all day, and I understand the distancing, but... If we both don't have it, we're just looking a bit silly standing so far apart away from each other. Mm. Sounds like a good plan, that. Yeah, I'm excited. More the merrier. Oh, actually, no, sorry, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> hopefully in three weeks. Uh, it's definitely original work, wouldn't it? It's definitely yeah. original work. Oh, that would be perfect. Mm. The, thing that's, the thing is, everywhere's closed now and the weather's so nice, but when everywhere does reopen, it's going to be absolutely rammed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be yeah. chaos. It's going to be a very busy summer. Once this all blows over, people are just going to just absolutely smash it on. They're just cane it every weekend. Yeah, make- I think it makes you. It'll make you appreciate get the ability to just get out a lot more. Just to see other people, just to embrace your friends and give them a hug and just say hi and yeah. I mean, it's it's been so difficult trying to keep three relationships going at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, right hand, left hand, what's the third? Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, on that note, I think that has been brilliant. That's been very comprehensive. Um, if you'd like to say bye and uh, stay safe to all our listeners. Yeah, stay safe. Take care. Don't forget, wash your hands. I apologise if I've been boring. 
of men. Not at all. I think that's been great. And I look forward to hopefully speaking to you very soon. Thank you very much, Tommy. See you, Oliver. Bye, listeners. Bye for now.